sisters, and if you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians 4. Please. By the way, if um, you missed the, the service yesterday at Pierce Brothers, you can go to the Conejo Mountain Funeral Home uh, on Monday. And uh, it's the 47th annual Memorial Day ceremony. It's at 11 a.m. And it's going to be uh, pretty amazing. The Gold Coast Pipe Band and Camarillo Community Band will be there. Uh, there'll be speakers. And so if you wanted to celebrate Memorial Day on Monday, you can do that at 11 o'clock at the Conejo uh, mountain Funeral Home. Okay, would you please stand for the reading of the Word of the Lord? Dave, you have my scripture. You're killing me, man. <laughs> it's all right. Verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. But to each one... But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended in the lower parts of the earth. We won't cover that today. Verse 10. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity, everyone say unity, Unity. of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to a measure of stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, but the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. A lot there. Don't worry, I'm not going to go through every single verse and make you miss your lunch. Let's pray. Lord, we ask your blessing upon the study of this passage in Ephesians. If, for the sake of time, if we cover nothing but this understanding of unity, Lord, I pray that you would knit our hearts together. Lord, these men and women who have died to protect our freedoms died for a common cause. They were unified in the protection of our freedoms. And so, Lord, may we be unified. As you laid your life down for us, Lord, may we be faithful to honor And so, Lord, we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. The the passage of Scripture that we're covering this morning, as we're going through the study of this letter to the church at Ephesus that Paul wrote, he had pastored there three and a half years. When we get to this portion of the Scripture, Paul has gone through our position in Christ and who we are. We've been predestined and chosen from the foundation of the world to be adopted and redeemed and forgiven. And all of these blessings are ours in the heavenly realm. And we go through all these amazing gifts that God's you know, just showered upon us as His children. 
And he's talking to a church that's gone through some division, some struggle. They live in a, a miserable society. It's, it's completely decadent. It's, it's absolutely immoral. It's not even immoral. It's amoral. There's no love for the truth, and, and everyone's imploding. But the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And as Paul begins to preach, there's a revival that occurs in the city of Ephesus, and the church begins to grow. And Paul writes this letter from a Roman prison to encourage them. And he begins verse 4 by saying, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. I'm in prison for the Lord, and I'm in prison on your behalf, he would say earlier in the text. And he says, because of that, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Because of that, I'm begging you. I'm begging you, I beseech you, I beg you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could have sunshine blown your way. He died on the cross to deliver you from your sins so that you could be an instrument of righteousness to go out and proclaim that good news for those who are still captive. And and this is the walk, this is what we've been called to. He didn't call you to a, a, you know, health, wealth, and prosperity. He didn't call you to a, a, you know, a rosebed of of blossoming blooms. He called you to the gospel to declare it and to be a servant of the truth. How do you do that? He says, with all lowliness, with gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Why do we go from church to church? Because people are irritating. Amen. Amen. People are irritating. But you know what? When you leave and you show up, you've just irritated that body. Amen. Amen? And if we can all just realize we are the same miserable, sordid, rotten human beings, we can begin with lowliness and humility and gentleness. And we can endeavor I mean, think of the multitude of which we've been forgiven. Do you think we could forgive one another? He knows it all, and he's forgiven it all. Bear with one another in love. What's love? This is love, the scripture says. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us. What does that mean? It means, Lord, they're not very lovable. And God says, go love them. Come on. Couldn't I love the lovable people? No, you love the unlovable. Love them into the kingdom. They spat upon him and he loved them. They beat him and he loved them. They crucified him and he loved them. They mocked him and he loved them. And who are they? Me and you. He loved us and loves us. And he says, bearing with one another in love, he says this powerful statement in verse 3, endeavoring. That means working unto a, a huge perspiration, an exhaustion to the point of breaking. On the 26th mile of the marathon, endeavoring. Have you sweat as though it were drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane? That's endeavoring. Because of the joy that was set before him, he endeavored, he endured the cross. That's endeavoring. Endeavoring what? To keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And He calls us to bring unity through that peace. You have to have peace with God before you can have the peace of God. 
And you have peace with God when you lay your life down and let Him live in and through you. When you let the old man live again and operate in the context of I will, which was, by the way, the original sin that we see of Satan, I will ascend to the Most High. I will is the foundation for all sin. I will. You see, God has a, God has a remedy for I will. He writes it in his, in his word where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. You see, the only place for I, me, my, is the cross. We gave up our rights. Oh, no, I didn't, Pastor. Well, you're already a slave. I'm not a slave. You're a slave to sin. You're dead in your trespasses. You can be a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. Your choice. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. He's a very kind master. He's a loving master. But he's come to set you free from the chains of I will. I will is destructive. I will destroys. I will doesn't bring unity. It brings division. There's 50, 50 trillion cells in the human body. That is a five with, I think, 13 zeros after it. 50 trillion cells in the human body. And they work in unison. See? All of them are working together to do things that are strange to you, but it makes sense to me. All of these work together. I'm looking at you. It's, it's bringing, you know, visions into my mind, processing it. I, I can tell the temperature of the room. All this is working together. It's, it's 50 trillion cells working in unity. That the body would operate and do what it's supposed to do. You take one cancer cell of the 50 trillion in the human body, just one. And what does it do? How does it survive? It's interesting. It rapidly causes division. It divides. And then it feeds and destroys the other cells around it and takes its nutrients and then rapidly divides faster than the cells, the regular cells of the human body. And one cancer cell destroys 50 trillion cells. Because it's selfish and self-destructive. It doesn't work in unity. It serves its own selfish purposes. That's why the Lord says in Deuteronomy 6. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Jesus goes on later to say, and love your neighbor as yourself. We love ourselves. Cancer. Me. But when we love our neighbors as ourselves, it's them. It's others. And the body's healthy. We live to serve. We live to unite. We live to bless. We don't live to take. We don't live to destroy. We don't live in deceit. We don't live in destruction. I was looking at a parallel of cancer. This one author writes, Cancer literally brings with one single cell choosing to do its own thing and be selfish. The cancer cell chooses to live and grow independently of the rules of the body in which it lives. As a result of this self-centeredness, the cancer grows, steals nutrients, and eventually kills the person slowly and painfully, even killing itself in the process. One independent cell in 50 trillion is enough to kill you. 
When people choose to act independently of God, it is called sin. Sin, like cancer, is simply choosing to act in self-interest, apart from God. And sin, like cancer, spreads. Consider the fact that all the pain, suffering, sickness, and death that we see in the world today are a direct outgrowth from one single act of rebellion by an angel known as Satan who said, I will. I'll tell you how you can destroy a community. Make it about you. Take offense. Demand your rights. Demand your rights. The Lord knows what it does to the body of Christ. He knows what it does to communities. When our entire community is established with this mentality of entitlement, I'm entitled to that. Then nobody works. Why bother? Why do I go to work so you don't have to? We get exhausted. Why run a business and try to make a profit when everyone else is just going to take it at a 70% tax rate? It doesn't make any sense. And when we teach this to our children, when the Lord said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. He declared to them in Deuteronomy 6, Bind it on the minds of your children. Teach it to every generation. We don't want to equip little selfish brats running out into the world going, It's all mine. There's consequences to our actions. It destroys communities. It destroys lives. Free love. There's nothing free about it. Hooking up. You know, friends with benefits. What does it do? I mean, we embrace that in the 60s. What do we have? Every single person in this room has been affected by divorce. Everyone in this room has been affected by abortion. Everyone. Boy, wasn't that a great social experiment? Didn't it do a wonder for our nation? Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. You see, when we get to this mindset where we realize that our actions are destroying everything, we come to a place where we say, God, help us. What do we do? What do we do? Well, the only cure to the cancer that courses through the veins of our soul is death to self and alive to Christ. We're new creatures in Christ. The old is past and new has come. We no longer live for ourselves. It is no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me to will and to do of his good pleasure. What's your agenda? Does it take precedent over God's? Does your political agenda take precedent over God's? Apparently this person's did. Does your business take precedent over God? Your family, your hobbies. It's a cancer. It's a cancer. You see, Paul says in Romans 16, I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I'm glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. What's the chemotherapy to the sin of the soul? I believe it's John 15 when Jesus said, this is my commandment, this is my remedy, that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love 
has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you to do. The chemotherapy to the cancer of the soul is to lay your life down in service of one another. Jesus, though being God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but took on the form of a servant. Unto death, even death on a cross. You want to talk about laying aside your rights. Let me tell you how you can be a cancer. I don't deserve to be treated that way. Jesus said, no man takes my life. I willingly lay it down. And who did he lay it down for? Those who hated him. Those who mocked him and ridiculed him. My wife and I were praying the other night on how to interact with those. There was the Lord had put someone on our heart. And the thing that was on my heart as my wife was praying and it confirmed in my soul was, Lord, how do we interact with this person knowing what we know? And the Lord revealed to Michelle and to me at the same time in prayer that when Jesus said to the disciples on the night that he was to be betrayed and he broke the bread and he poured the cup, he said, one of you will betray me. It was interesting. All of them in the room didn't go, it's Judas, finally, you're getting it. The one with the horns. Now, what did they all say? They said, Lord, is it I? Is it me? That's a healthy perspective, God. I, I know what I'm capable of. Is it me? Is it me, Lord? How could they do that? It was real simple. Jesus didn't teach, or excuse me, Jesus didn't treat any of the disciples any differently. He served Judas just as faithfully as he served Peter. Can you imagine serving and loving somebody that you know is going to give you up to be crucified for 30 pieces of silver? You know in advance, and you're loving on them. And we get irritated when somebody doesn't mention what we did, and then they dirty it. I just vacuumed that. Thankless, worthless monsters. But the idea is we love one another. That's the chemotherapy. Now, granted, there are times, as we see in Romans 16, where Paul says, I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions. What is cancer? It sells multiply dividing, uh, rapidly dividing. <laughs> Faster than the normal cells. Division. They're splitting and 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 taking all the resources and sucking the life out of everything around it. And, and they're gossiping and they're communicating just poor things about people around them. And they're, they're lying and they're deceiving and they're on and on and on and on. And the cancer grows. And Paul says, mark those who cause division and offenses contrary to what? The doctrine you have learned and avoid them. The doctrine of laying down your life and serving one another. In 11 years in this church, we've never had a church split, with the exception of planting a church. But there's been times where we've had to cut some cancer. You approach somebody, and it says in Matthew 18, it says, 
If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. The object is to gain a brother, not to be right. Let's repeat that. The object is to gain your brother, not be right. Matthew 18. You're already, you're loser. Amen. He says, but if he will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouth or two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So people who have witnessed it, that means you've allowed it to go on long enough that it's the Bible says your sins will find you out. And people are going, I'm seeing it now. Yeah, no, I see it now. And then that rises to the surface. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be like the heathen or the tax collector. We're a family and you're telling us you don't want to be a part of it. And we're going to miss you. But we don't put up with that here. You can't divide. You can't gossip. You can't lie. You can't walk in known sin and declare it to be okay. It's affecting the kids. You cause the least of these to stumble. It would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and be cast in the deepest ocean. Look, just agree that we disagree and just go find what it is you're looking for because it's not here. Don't prey on the healthy body that is the church because you can find resources or connections for your business. Be honest in, in your sin. But don't prey upon the body and upon the people through your deception and your lies. Move on. We want you here, but we want you in truth. And we keep catching you in the lies. And when you get to that place, sometimes you have to confront it. You've got to confront the cancer and you have to deal with it to bring unity, as it says, endeavor to keep the union of spirit and the bond of peace. I, I want to close with this last thought. I did a little study on chemotherapy. And when I say little, I mean really little. Actually, I just took it off of Wikilinks. <laughs> Chemotherapy is the process of using drugs to treat a disease. And it works against cancer by damaging cells in the body that are undergoing the process of division. The cancer-fighting drugs can be injected directly into the bloodstream or taken as a tablet or capsule. Once in the bloodstream, the chemotherapy drugs travel around the body in order to damage and kill the cancer where it is spread. Chemotherapy gains its advantage over cancer cells because it attacks cells that are rapidly dividing. Cancer cells are constantly splitting and growing, especially in the in initial stages of the cancer. Chemotherapy drugs disrupt the process of dividing by attacking the control center of the division, the nucleus, the heart. If Jesus is your Lord, you'll lay your life down. You'll allow God's word to be the final authority in your life. And when confronted with your sin, you won't make excuses. You won't blame others. You'll repent. And if you don't, the nucleus, the core of who you are, is not Christ. And the picture of division is evident. And Matthew 18 says, okay, that cancer is removed. Every single person in the room has had a struggle, and nobody more so than me, where you get to a place where you get irritated, right? Can I get an amen? Help me. Amen. And you're offended by a brother. And you go through those processes where you're kind of sitting before the Lord in the quietness before your mouth opens. 
One in particular for me happened in the wedding when I was back east in North Carolina. I so wanted to witness to my family and share with them and, and, and uh, we prayed as a family going over there that we'd be servants and we get there and my kids were helping out and, and turning to. Kelly's there washing the dishes and getting the food prepared. Michelle's cleaning the rooms and you know the boys are helping, taking out the trash and we're just serving. And, and my, the, my nephew, uh, Stuart, who is my sister Nancy's youngest boy. Sam was getting married. He's my sister's oldest boy. Stuart's the youngest of four and he was the best man. All right. You got that picture? Sam's getting married. Stuart's his brother. Stuart's the youngest of four and the best man. Okay? Stuart's a punk. Sweet, sweet punk. But a punk. And he was getting on my nerves because we'd be washing the dishes. I'd be pre- preparing. You know, you got 30, 40 people in the house and you've got certain things set because you want to bless certain people. He'd come in, grab that, grab a beer, go out and drink it down and then come and throw his dishes in and lay out and his clothes are all over the place. And he's, and I'm, I'm just, oh, oh, you naughty. And as it's just building, I go out for a walk and I'm just giving it to the Lord. And I'm saying, you know, Lord, Stuart, that kid's getting on my nerves. You got to bring him to conviction of sin and cause him to repent. Because, Lord, if you don't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remove him. I'll be the chemotherapy of his nucleus, if you know what I'm saying. And you know what the Lord says to me in my time of prayer? He goes, how's it feel? It wasn't an audible voice. If only, how does he hear from the? You'll, you'll understand when you spend more time with him. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking, and, and the Lord says, "How's it feel?" I go, "What do you mean, Lord? How's it feel?" Well, looking at yourself. What are you talking about? Looking at myself? I'm 47. The punk's in 20s. Youngest of four. Wait, I was youngest of four. Hmm. My brother got married, and I lost my best friend. That woman married him. Wait, Stuart was Sam's best man. Oh, he's not going to like Lauren very much as his new sister-in-law, because she stole his best friend. Oh, I see it, Lord. Oh, I see it. And I remember being a college student coming from Fresno State over to Cal Poly or San Luis Obispo. My brother lived in Morro Bay. I come in there, he's newly married, and he and his wife, I go in, I'd eat their food and sleep and they go out and Lauren would work and I'd, I was the biggest punk you can imagine. Maria, my sister-in-law, she just looked at me like this kid gets everything he wants. I was the youngest by like seven years. I got everything and all my siblings plowed the way and life was easy for me. And I'm watching Stuart. He's got great confidence. He can speak in front of crowds because all of his siblings have gone before him. He gave the, the toast. It was remarkable. And the Lord's going, that's you. You are a bigger punk than he's ever been. You're 47, you're still a punk. <laughs> the Lord doesn't quite talk like that. I'm interpreting through <laughs> earthly language. And, and as I'm realizing this, I'm going, that is me, Lord. And, and, and I was, we were getting along with everyone. I was having great conversations. And the one person I was trying to connect with was my sister-in-law. And there's just still an animosity there. And I'm trying to reach out to her. And, and it was heavy on my heart, and the Lord showed me some things to write in the picture, and, 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 it's, and, and I saw myself in that. And I took Stuart aside, and I said, Stuart, um, I'm going to share something with you that the Lord put on my heart. I said, I'm 47, you're in your 20s. I said, Stuart, you can kind of sense the tension between me and Maria. He goes, yeah. 
I said, I, and I, I've, I've worked my whole life trying to reconcile that. I said, you know where it started? It started when I was your age. And I'd leave my dishes out, and I'd, I'd, the whole world was mine because it was all about me. Me, I, 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 me, mine. Just like you, Stuart. And I said, my hope for you is that you don't get to 47 and have to resolve the message you've made. The cure to the cancer of your life, Stuart, is start serving people. You got great gifts. Use them for the glory of the Lord, not for the comfort of Stuart. And he goes, Uncle Bob, thank you for sharing that with me. The next day we were flying out. He's carrying the luggage. He's a good kid. Talk with his uncle. We're all selfish. Nobody more in this room than me. I get it. And we're really gifted at being cancer. But the chemotherapy to the nucleus of our life is that we die and Jesus lives. Less of us, more of him. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me to will and to do of his good pleasure. Put aside all those things that you feel like are your rights. And serve the Judases of the world. And in time, their sins will reveal. You'll confront them. And they're going to make a choice. I want my sin more than I want the church. More than I want Jesus. And more than I want to be in your life. Or... I want a new nucleus. I want Jesus in my heart. And then the body grows and the cancer dies. We protect the body. Amen? Amen. Memorial Day. This nation had the cancer of slavery. 650,000 people died so that you could enjoy these freedoms. And since the Civil War, over 600,000 men and women have died so that this body, this entity that's unified in the common purpose of freedom can continue on the face of the earth. And let me tell you how you can destroy it in your generation. Make it about you. Don't serve mankind. Throw your hands up and say to hell with it. Go ahead. And leave a big cancerous blob for your children. There's men and women in this room right now who are fighting cancer. They get the battle. They get the intensity of it. They want to live. I don't want the testimony of Christ to be extinguished in my generation. If 12 disciples could turn the world right side up in the midst of the most heathen world, why can't we? And the chemotherapy for the cancer of the world, let's all die and let Jesus live. Not my will, but his will be done. Serve. Serve. Serve, serve.
and not just the ones who are easy to serve. Serve the Judases. And God will reveal them for who they are in time, and he'll take care of them. He'll separate the wheat from the chaff. He'll separate the wheat from the tares. Leave it up to him. God's in control. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.